So if you guys are ready and your neck is stretched out, ready to end the day there. Sorry, I did kind of go a little quickly through that, looking at my time there. Hopefully you were able to listen quickly on that. I had a really good question in between. Um, there's a difference. I talked earlier about oil immersion dermoscopy and polarized light. In 2001, when 3Gen introduced polarized light, there are some benefits between the two. And a lot of times there's some great things that are just magnifying tools. And so you'd have to kind of look at the tools that you're using. Magnification is great. And I think most dermatologists are using magnification in some form or another. One of the folks that I practice with, two of them that I practice with, we have those big, you know, round magnifying lights in every room, and they use those on every single patient. And I don't because I'm really using my dermatoscope for my magnification purposes. But um, there is a difference. With the oil, it's, some, it's with the physics, they cancel out some of the reflections and it's a specific optical density that you're using magnification and that oil or with the polarized light. And you can see sometimes there's some thought that you can see pigmented structures a little bit better with oil and you can see vascular structures a little bit better with polarized light. That being said, I think that difference is easily outweighed by the ease of use of polarized light. And so, but that's a great question because a lot of you may have magnification tools in your office. And I still think that's excellent. You can appreciate that network a lot of times just with magnification as well. The colors, absolutely you can. So a lot of these still apply even if you're just using magnification. And the average magnification for dermatoscopes um, is gonna be 10 times. There are some out there that are really fancy that are 20 times magnification, but those are mainly the old school ones like I showed you earlier. There's a few that are 20X that you can get, but you have to use the oil for those. Okay, so here is round two and keep your scratch paper in front of you because I want you guys, I'll give you some time with each lesion to kind of start to make some clinical decisions on your own. There we go, okay. So we're gonna reemphasize the principles or the PRNI-siples of dermoscopy, the basics. I want you to add to your knowledge because I'm gonna show you a few new lesions, especially side by side with some things that we've already talked about. And really this hour, I want you guys to start to test your skills. Pretend you're in clinic and you've got a dermatoscope that you're so excited about from the SDPA meeting. And so start using it. So here's the warm up. And then this is just a picture of my son when he was one and a half. He used to like take his snacks and go sit in the dog crate and eat. And I was like, wow. This is really easy. Again, dermoscopy does not need to be difficult either. Just start with the basic things that I've asked you to do. I'm not asking you to say, well, that's a mildly atypical lesion with, you know, maybe a little moderate at this periphery, you know, no. All you need to say is, is it melanocytic, is it not? Am I going to biopsy it, am I not? So again, just a reminder from the previous lecture, your first question, is it melanocytic? If your answer is yes, then say, or when you're trying to decide if your answer is yes, does it have a pigment network? Do you see evidence of dots and globules that are suggestive of pigmented dots and globules? And are there any of those amorphous areas in that lesion? So this is the warm-up. Again, I just want you to look at these lesions and say, melanocytic or not. So if you're gonna use your scratch paper for these, you can probably just nod your head or shake your head. But melanocytic or not, yes. So obvious pigment network around the periphery there. You could probably call that a little amorphous area in the center, but certainly you wouldn't have to look past the network. Yes, it's melanocytic. Melanocytic or not. See, this doesn't have to be hard, yes. Melanocytic or not. 
No. And if your history or something suggested you should biopsy this, this is just a thrombus. But it's black and it may be scary for a second there, but you take, it, you take a minute and you look. It really doesn't meet any of your clinical criteria for a melanocytic lesion. Okay, so melanocytic or not. And here this is a great example of location. Like that pseudo network that I showed you earlier, you can definitely appreciate that pseudo network. We're on the face here and you've got lots of follicular ostea on the face. And so here you've got evidence of pigment network, but you've also got that on that background of a pseudo network as well. Clinically, that's not so important. If you're looking at something on the face, you probably know that you're looking at something on the face. But when I'm showing you some of these images, you can appreciate that pseudo network. Melanocytic or not? Do you see a pigment network? Do you see dots and globules? You might say, well, maybe that's kind of some amorphous area. If you're not sure, you know, like I said, lean towards melanocytic. But most of you are going to say, no, this is just an ulcerated basal cell. So melanocytic or not? Your three questions. Pigment network, dots and globules, amorphous areas. And I'm really okay with I don't know because this might be one that you say, I don't know. Now hopefully from the last lecture, you're starting to appreciate some characteristics of other lesions. That being said, this still needs a biopsy. But hopefully you can appreciate some of those irregular arborizing telangiectasias there superiorly. But absolutely I could buy those as pigment dots and globules down there. So if you said yes, it's still gonna meet criteria for a biopsy. But again, sometimes this just kind of helps you because I try to counsel patients. If I'm biopsying what I have a high suspicion is a melanoma, I don't want to cold call them in three days when I get my path back and be, hey, I know we didn't talk about this at all in clinic, and I really don't like to tell patients if I don't have to, I want you to come back into clinic for your diagnosis to talk. I try to give them the diagnosis, let them digest it, but it goes over a whole lot better if in clinic I say, you know, I have a high suspicion that this lesion is a melanoma. I tell them about melanoma so that they know when they call, I can say, yes, it is a melanoma, but good news, it's a melanoma in situ. We've already talked about it. They know what to expect, and so they're not blindsided by that. So I try to do that counseling, and this is one of those cases when dermoscopy can help you because I think that's important when you take care of patients, and really that's kind of the most important thing. Melanocytic or not? Yes. You see evidence of a pigment network up there at the superior portion. Melanocytic or not? Pigment network, dots and globules, amorphous areas. And again, you're looking at the whole picture. If you say, I don't know, I think that's probably an SK. It's got the nice hair sign there as well that patients love to talk about. Well, it's got a hair growing out of it, so I knew it was okay. But um, there is kind of some faint pigment network around the periphery there. Again, this is a congenital nevus. Melanocytic or not? Well, it's certainly pigmented, but is it melanocytic? From the last lecture, again, if you're saying you're not sure, you need to start trying to recognize some of the characteristics of benign lesions. So you see lots of those milia-like cysts in there. You got some crusty cracking under there. This is an SK. Melanocytic or not? Pigment network, dots and globules, amorphous areas. Yes, so I think you've got kind of 
some of all three of those things in there. This is a melanoma in situ. Okay, so interspersed in this lecture, because I'm asking you some trivia, your brain needs a break every once in a while. So we're gonna throw in some Las Vegas movie trivia as well. So this is one of the hotels, which if you've been on the strip last night, then you can probably recognize which hotel it is. But does anyone know what movie this is? Wow, you guys are so much better than my husband at this. He's like, I don't know. And I was like, there's 11 people and Billy Ocean is one of them. But yes, and then so, this is Ocean's Eleven. There was your next hint, and also some eye candy. So this is the Bellagio Hotel, which is right next door, and if you haven't seen it, you need to go see the fountains. It's beautiful. There's 22 million gallons of water in those fountains, and I tried to Google what the water bill was at the Bellagio, but I couldn't find it. And so anyhow, the fountain has shows like every 15 minutes at night, but it's really, it's pretty. There's a lot of really neat architecture here. Okay, so back to the hardcore stuff. Now we're gonna get into more of the clinical diagnosis where I want you to use your paper, write down what you think and why you think it, or at least kind of go through that process in your head. And I'll give you some time with each lesion. But the rules of engagement. First, I'm gonna show you a dermatoscopic image, which is absolutely backwards of how you're going to do that clinically. Obviously, you look at something first, before you decide to pull out your dermatoscope. However, this is a dermoscopy lecture, so we get to play by my rules. Then I will show you the clinical image so you can put the two together and we'll talk about what it is. But I kind of want you in your own mind to just say, would I have biopsied that lesion or not? This is an honor system, so if you get them all right, there's great prizes down in the casino later. Okay. So we're going to start, and I'm going to try to give you at least 30 seconds, and I want you to actually go through those steps in your head. Answer your questions. Start with your basics. And it's really hard for me not to talk for 30 seconds. So your basics. Is it melanocytic? Pigment network? dots and globules, amorphous areas. If you've said yes, your next step is going to be to judge it. Now here's your, your, excuse me, your clinical on that. Now obviously by the way that it's marked, you know this probably got taken off. But again, looking at that, I want you to think about that Three point, if you just want to start with that three point. Asymmetry of color, yes. Asymmetry of pattern, yes. Blue-gray areas, you know, and that's kind of iffy if that's just heavy pigment or blue-gray, but you are got a two from the other two. This clearly clinically and under the dermatoscope needs a biopsy. Unfortunately, it was just in situ. Okay, here is your next one, and I'm probably not going to give you 30 seconds because hopefully you can appreciate that. and start at the beginning. You see lots of these every day, all the time. And you may say, beyond is it melanocytic or not, you may already know what it is. And there's your clinical. I got all these blood moles from my mama. Okay, so your first question, is it melanocytic? 
There are dots and globules there, but hopefully from what you've seen, you can appreciate these dots and globules are not dots and globules of pigment. They're vascular. These are those classic lacunae that I was talking about earlier. If you said, yes, it's melanocytic, maybe you just walked in, but if you did say that and you judged it by the three-point rule, you might biopsy it, but hopefully you can start to recognize it's important to look at benign things as well so you can differentiate. Start at the beginning. One of these is benign and one is malignant. And I want you to ask your questions about both and decide which one or if both you would biopsy. So all of those things that I taught you earlier about rules and judging lesions, guess what? They don't apply on the hands and the feet and the genitals. So here's your curveball. And again, I don't, I don't use my dermatoscope very often on the genital area. Um, honestly, I just think it's creepy because it's here and your eyes up next to it. But if you do, knock yourself out, clean your dermatoscope. These are palms and soles. And what you can appreciate here is that background. I mean, you can look at your own hand and appreciate those fissures and ridges that you have there. And when you're looking at palm and sole lesions, you're really working on a specific set of guidelines. But this is something that we see a lot of. Somebody looks at the bottom of their foot and they say, I have no idea how long that mole has been there. So I'm coming to see you and I wanna know what we need to do about it. And so this is my memory tool kind of proud of it because I made it up, but there's furrows and there's ridges. The furrows are the valleys there between that, what you're looking at here, and the ridges are the humps between those furrows. And so if the pigment is all nestled down in the furrows, put down your biopsy tool. If the pigment is up on those ridges, pick up your biopsy tool. Can you tell I live with toddlers? Um, but it's an easy way and it helps me. It's just one of those memory tools. It helps me remember that parallel furrow, when the pigment is down in the furrows, I put down my biopsy tool. That's a hallmark of a benign lesion on the palms and the soles. And if it's up, now you can appreciate here, you're looking at where the predominance of pigment is. If you've got a mole on your hand or your foot, you know it's not all located in the furrows or on the ridges. You're gonna have some bleeding and I'll show you some lattice-like areas as well. It's where that predominance of the pigment is. And here, again, it's tough to appreciate what's furrows and ridges, but clinically that's a lot easier to appreciate than on a um, photo. But can y'all see the difference? That pigment's concentrated in the furrows. That's hallmark of a benign lesion and this is actually an ankyl melanoma there. That's evidence of that lattice pattern that I was talking about. These are both benign, just acral nevi. But when you're looking at it, you see that most of your pigment is down in those furrows. Therefore, you're gonna put down your biopsy tool. Perhaps you monitor if it's something the patient didn't know how long it's been there. But it's just one of those things that can encourage you, this is likely a benign lesion. I'm gonna give you a minute on this one. And the scary thing about this one, if you look at this background here, they are on, I have to find it, 
there, that's, you can start to appreciate, those are furrows and ridges. So this is on the bottom of someone's foot. So if you totally lose the furrows and the ridges, not a good thing either. Because here you wouldn't say, well, gosh, most of that pigment's in the furrows. You don't even know where it is. It's, this is a pretty invasive acral melanoma. But if you're looking at this on the bottom of a foot, I think you can almost go back to most of your classic melanoma kind of grading criteria there. I mean, you've got obvious asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, and then lots of blue-gray areas. Another thing that's really nice on the palms and the soles, I showed you pictures of hemorrhage earlier. A lot of times folks will get that Talon Noir or things like that, or from running they'll get hemorrhage there on the soles of their feet. This is a great place where you can use your dermatoscope to differentiate somebody comes in. I've had this on my foot for a week. I've got a melanoma on my foot. And you can magnify it and notice that it's hemorrhage or that it's vascular. But this is a bad one. Hopefully you all said you were going to biopsy that. All right, here's your next piece of Vegas trivia. So the first part is the movie, Aviator, great. So this is the Aviator. But your Vegas trivia is, in what Vegas hotel did Howard Hughes infamously stay for a while? Does anybody know? Close, it's an old one. This one's not even here anymore. The Desert Inn. Kind of a funny story. Um, he showed up kind of before Christmas in 1966, and he rented out the top two floors of the Desert Inn. If you guys have seen The Aviator, you know that he's a very quirky character. Um, but he rented out the top two floors, and then New Year's Eve was about to roll around, and they asked him to leave. He didn't want to leave, so what did he do? He bought the hotel. And so, and from that hotel, that's kind of at the end of the movie when he's becoming a recluse and doing all those really weird things. A lot of that was here at the Desert Inn. From that hotel, he bought up a good chunk of the strip as well. And then in the middle of the night, about two years later, he just left and he never came back to Vegas after that. But the Desert Inn is no more. All right, so here's your next one. I'll give you a second with this. First things first, is it melanocytic? You're gonna start there. If you've said yes, then you're gonna start going by your three or your seven, or if you're really educated and you know one of those 20 point rules. And there's your clinical. This is the one the girl comes in, she's like, no, I'm really, I'm sure it's changing. It's not just ugly. I'm really sure it's changing. You've got to biopsy it. But really, they just cosmetically want it off. And your history is that it's been there for 15 years, and your patient is 15. <laughs> so this is a congenital nevus. So hopefully you can appreciate it at the periphery. There is some evidence of perhaps a pigment network. But again, when you hold up, um, that's just a good one, but I remember birthmark, Hal. But when you hold up, you know, a congenital nevus and sometimes a seborrheic keratosis are going to look very similar. Again, they're both benign. You may just be looking at it just because you want to look at it. But this is a congenital nevus. And I, that being said, a lot of times people will come in and they'll say, I've had this my whole life, but I think it's getting darker. But when you can magnify this and just see that uniformity, that's reassuring for a patient as well. So there's your far side cartoon. These are both, this is just another evidence of 
a congenital nevus. And I mentioned that cobblestone pattern earlier. You see this a lot in compound or congenital nevi, that you get that compound pattern. And hopefully you can appreciate, absolutely, that's your clinical on the left and then your dermatoscopic on the right. But hopefully you can appreciate there. Yes, there's dots and globules, but they're very regular dots and globules. Okay. So I want you to look at both lesions, look at them one by one, and then make your calls on what you think they are. Start with your yes or no question on each one. And then if you say yes, take your method, asymmetry of color, asymmetry of pattern, blue-gray areas. Okay, and now I'll tell you, here's your clinical images. One of these is a pigmented basal cell, and one is a melanoma. Clinically, I think that gets a little easier to appreciate, but hopefully you guys were already there just based on your dermatoscopic images. So let's talk about these two for a second. We'll start with the lesion on your left. So is it melanocytic or not? If you made the mistake and said yes, my guess is you still opted to biopsy this lesion and really that's the most important thing. But while you do have some pigment there, there's really no evidence of a network and those are pretty irregular smudges of pigment as well. The lesion on the right, hopefully you were able to appreciate, even though it's not homogeneous pigment network, you absolutely have some pigment there at that superior portion. It's hard to aim this over here, sorry. Um, but you've got some pigment at that superior portion. And again, this is one that you can see some of those other minor criteria that we talked about. Those kind of irregular blotches there. You've got irregular vascularity as well. You've got regression areas. There's lots of those minor criteria that would lean you towards a biopsy. Here's my second shout out to Kurt Gaudier, and if you know him, about a year ago when I was putting this together, he was like, is that a cervix? <laughs> so. so your first question, is it melanocytic? No. If you say yes, grade it. Here's your clinical on that. So when you put it with a clinical image, it's a little bit easier to appreciate. Because at first you might say, is that an ulcerated basal cell? But clinically, most of us can recognize what that is. That's a PG. And I think the difference when you look at this as compared to a basal cell, you don't see any of those arborizing telangiectasias. Yes, you've got an area of ulceration, but that makes sense. These things are growing like crazy and they bleed all the time. But you don't see those irregular vascularity it's very regular around the periphery as compared to that leaf-like structure that we've been seeing in basal cells as well. There's no blue-gray areas suggestive of pigment. This is just purely vascular. All right, here's your next one. I'll give you a second on that. Is it melanocytic? If you say yes, start grading it. Here's your clinical. It 
seems to be dimpling. So this is a dermatofibroma, and this is where I'm talking about looking at stuff, because a lot of times people are really worried about dermatofibromas, and sometimes they're really ugly clinically. But if you can start to just appreciate that dermatofibromas have this classic look under the microscope, and a lot of times you can correlate this to what you see clinically as well, but you have this periphery where you might initially say, absolutely, that's a pigment network. There's pigment there, a lot of it's hemocytorin as well, but here's three DFs. And so you can kind of appreciate the similarity between these lesions. And the more that you look at them, put together with your clinical image, dermatofibromas are usually pretty easy to diagnose. And sometimes even clinically, I'll look at something and I'll be going through an exam quickly and I'll say, oh, that's a little funny. And I'll magnify, oh, that's a DF. And so they had this hallmark appearance with that central clearing. And so it's just one to kind of keep in the back of your mind. The more you look at things and the more you recognize it, if you know it's a DF when you're starting out, look at it because it's just better to kind of build up those things in your mind. But they all have this kind of similar classic appearance. All right, next trivia. Great movie. Anybody? Rounders, nice job. So this is Rounders. A little bit tougher, here's your piece of Vegas trivia. In what hotel was his dream to end up in? Like he wanted to end up in the poker room at this casino, or the high rollers room. I don't know what you call it, I'm not a gambler. It's the Mirage, actually. And so the Mirage also has one of the biggest topless poolside areas there. So if you buy a dermatoscope and you need to use it, the Mirage might be where you go. <laughs> Here's your next one. So here's your clinical. 67-year-old guy, I don't know that's back there, I don't know what you're talking about. So is it melanocytic? My answer would be, I'm not really sure on that looking at this one. This is an irritated SK. Would I have biopsied this? 100% of the time, yes, I would have. A spot that he didn't know about, that he doesn't know was irritated, um, absolutely. Because there's several areas to me that are concerning with all of those features that we've talked about. But like I said, if you're not biopsying some benign stuff, you're not biopsying enough. Your clinical suspicion, you want to be more sensitive than you are specific when it comes to melanoma, especially, that's your job. So is it an SK? It is. Does it really have any dermatoscopic findings of an SK? It doesn't. And would I biopsy it? Absolutely. So here's another one. Is it melanocytic or not? Hopefully you can appreciate um, the location because that makes a difference on this one. And if you remember, our rules do not always apply as far as asymmetry of color pattern and blue-gray area when you're on acral areas. There's your clinical. And again, kind of unfair, you can tell by the bleeding spots that this is getting a biopsy. This was a benign nevus, a benign compound nevus there. And you really can appreciate what I said earlier, that most of that 
pigment is located in the furrows there. Now, if this was something a patient wasn't sure had been there, those kind of things, but my guess is clinically, they're like, I've had that mole my whole life, those kind of things, because it was a completely bland, benign compound nevus there on the toe. But when I said that, remember, if the pigment's down in the furrows, you may monitor or put down your biopsy tool. And in the center there, you've kind of got that compound raised area, and so that's where maybe it gets a little bit tricky but your rules don't always apply on the hands, the feet, and the genitals. First thing, is it melanocytic, is it not? She said yes, grade it. If not, try to look for characteristics that might be suggestive of other lesions. Here's your clinical. Back of somebody's leg, they're just in for a full skin exam. Yeah, I thought something itched back there. And it's nice because you can appreciate what an ulcer looks like clinically and what it looks like under the dermatoscope. Okay, so is it melanocytic? No, I really don't see any evidence of a pigment network. Could you have something completely amelanotic? Sure, you could. Um, and clinically, that might be consistent with that photo that I showed you as well. This is actually a basal cell. But you can appreciate some areas of irregular vasculature there. You're ulcerated. Hopefully, if you saw that clinically, you know, you'd biopsy it. Here's the next one. This, I use my dermatoscope a lot for this. Here's your clinical. Okay, so at first, maybe your gut reaction was like, I've got her on this one, not melanocytic, arborizing telangiectasias, basal cell. But if you can appreciate here, this is what I talked about earlier, that you're looking at the lesion itself. Yes, there's telangiectasias, but there's telangiectasias across that whole picture. This is on photo-damaged skin. And so you see these aggregated globules here that's classic for sebaceous hyperplasia. And I even just this week in clinic had somebody with a bunch of sebaceous hyperplasia and there was one that looked a little different and he, his comment to me was, eh, it's just one of those bumps. And I magnified it, it looks like a basal cell and sure enough, it was. But differentiating the two is really key because we all know that clinically sometimes sebaceous hyperplasia and basal cells, especially early on, can look the same. So I'm gonna put some side-by-side -side images of sebaceous hyperplasia and basal cells up because, again, basal cells where I use my dermatoscope a good bit. So, obviously on the left, that's a sebaceous hyperplasia we just saw. And you can kind of appreciate that localized arborizing telangiectasia as opposed to the diffuse. But you see those aggregated globules there. Here's another. And you might, just with all that photo damage behind that, said that was a melanoma in situ. It still gets a biopsy. There's a lot of irregular vascularity. But hopefully here, my goal is that you appreciate the difference between the sebaceous hyperplasia and the basal cell. Again, you kind of see that reassuring, and that was a little tricky there. Maybe one that you biopsy, but I biopsied sebaceous hyperplasia before as well. And then compared to that one there, but it's kind of that yellow aggregated globules that you see there. That one's pretty clear. I think there's no telangiectasia or anything with that sebaceous hyperplasia up on the left. That one down here, hopefully you don't just assume 
You know, don't assume, like I said earlier, that any milia-like cyst or any globule, it's benign. Because clinically, this is a basal cell, but sometimes basal cells can have milia in them. And so my hope is that you look at the whole picture, like I said, before you make your clinical decisions. So these are those four sebaceous hyperplasia that I just showed you next to basal cells. But again, like with dermatofibromas, I think it's nice to see several together so you see the similarities between these lesions. Your next Vegas trivia? Conair. It was like something about the bunny in that one. Um, but yes, this is Conair. Great Nick Cage movie. So, the crash scene, if you've seen Conair, the crash scene at the end, they were demolishing or imploding a big hotel on the strip at that time to make way for the Venetian. Does anyone know what that hotel was? The Sands, very good. We have a Vegas buff. So yes, the Sands was on the site where the Venetian is now, but there were several movies, I don't remember all of them, they timed with that demolition. And actually they've been filming The Hangover here the last three nights, our cabbie told us today. So Vegas is a hot spot, The Hangover 3. Vegas is a hot spot for movies. And this is one of the last ones that we're gonna kind of, before we get into some rapid fire. You can appreciate location on this, especially when I show you. Are you gonna biopsy this? Good. So yes, this is melanocytic. Your location here is a pseudo, it's on the face. You've got that pseudo network. Lentigo maligna have some specific characteristics. And what you see is what they're called, they're called rhomboidal structures, but around those openings in the pseudo network, you start to get some really irregular areas of pigmentation. You also get more irregular vascularity. And so when you see these kind of, those rhomboidal structures, and clinically that's very irregular, um, but areas there. This is another time that your dermatoscope may help you know where to biopsy. I had one I took off two weeks ago that five years ago was biopsied as a benign lentigo, and then five years later when she came back, clinically totally different, but it was a lentigo malignant. So we know that some of these things evolve, and perhaps if you're suspicious, you can use your dermatoscope, find an area in a large lesion with those rhomboidal structures, and that may help you know kind of or have a better area to biopsy. These are three lentigo malignas there, and I really just want you to kind of appreciate some of those. You can see pseudo network in all of them, but those rhomboidal structures, those kind of clumps of irregular pigment outlining those follicular ostea there on the face. Okay, so rapid fire. You're in your clinic, you've got your dermatoscope, you're just going, do I biopsy it, do I not? He doesn't know that that's there. Do you biopsy it? Yes, I did too, and it's benign. And so, but again, this was, it was a collision lesion. It had a lentigo histologically, had lentigo, and it had um, compound nevus features. He didn't know that was there. To me, that looks like rhomboidal structures. Yes, I would have biopsied it, but he gets a good news phone call. Do you biopsy it? Do you not? I would. It's moderately dysplastic, but under the dermatoscope, I would say yes. And with that foot sitting on a blue surgical drape, they said yes as well. But this is moderate dysplasia. I think there's enough, especially if you're using your basic rules and in conjunction with your ugly duckling sign. If this is the only spot that this patient has like this, you've got two schools of thought on nevi. Some people think a dysplastic nevus is a dysplastic nevus is a dysplastic nevus. 
Other people think that lesions evolve over time, and you could sit 10 dermatologists at a table and really get them angry at each other talking about it. But I'm of the evolution school, and so if this was the only lesion like that, absolutely that would biopsy it, and I would probably you know, tell my patient, that's probably good news. This may have been something that caused you a problem down the road. Do you biopsy it or do you not? Yes, nobody said yes, I would say yes. So clinically, you've got that pearly edge, that raised edge. This is a basal cell, but there is a lot of pigment in that basal cell. And likely this would have been one that I counseled my patient. I hope this is just a basal cell. It's got some characteristics of that, but I can't rule out that this is not a melanoma as well. And so let's talk about that. And then when they get the phone call for a basal cell, that's good news as well. But absolutely, I hope you biopsied that one. Biopsy or no? Yes. And so this is a mildly atypical nevus. This might have been one that I monitored. However, looking at his back, this is going to be something that on your atypical nevus patient is going to be your norm. And that's where that ugly duckling sign comes into play. We only have a little snapshot of this guy's back, but if that was the only spot on his back, yes, I probably would have biopsied that as well. Biopsy or no? Good. What is it? Anybody? Bueller? It's a pigmented basal cell. Things that you can see, even though it looks a little scary, this is a good example of that leaf-like periphery that I talked about earlier. There's a few areas of kind of this arborizing telangiectasia, but absolutely you biopsy it. And looking at that, even if my patient lived two hours away, he couldn't have talked me into CND in it. Oh, this is your last Vegas trivia, sorry. Clearly you know this one. Austin Powers. Okay. Now, tricky one. Do you know the hotel that's featured in the first Austin Powers movie? It's a hotel casino, I should say. Here's your second hint. It's featured in a very handsome Sean Connery's Diamonds Are Forever as well. Anybody? I thought I heard somebody say it. It's Circus Circus. And so... I think that's way up north on the Strip. I remember it because my dad's a Southern Baptist pastor, and about 25 years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention was strangely in Las Vegas. And so um, doesn't make sense. I don't think they did a lot of business. But um, we got to go to Circus Circus and like play the games at Circus Circus. So one of my personal favorite casinos. I'm not going to go this time. Briefly, Nails, um, Dr. Rich talked about this a little bit. This is helpful if you see some irregularity of pigment. I think clinically nails are easier than with your dermatoscope. It does help when you look. The biggest thing here is clinically, if you've got Hutchinson sign and you think that something is a melanoma, I don't like taking nails off unless I think I have to. That being said, I do it. But hopefully you can appreciate the difference there between pigment and between hemorrhage. And so especially in a patient who doesn't know you know, how long it's been there, what it is. This is actually just kind of regular longitudinal melanichia that's there. This is hemorrhage. You usually have a history of trauma, but we all know that our patients sometimes are not the best historians. And that might be something that you elected to monitor because it looks more like hemorrhage. This is where dermoscopy kind of started back in 1663. If you're suspicious for dermatomyositis or for systemic lupus or things like that, you can use your dermatoscope. This is a normal cuticle, 
and there you can appreciate some of those kind of nail fold capillary loops that they talk about, but that's what you look at. It's just kind of some increased vascularity there, just another clinical clue that you might have. This is kind of one that I've never been successful with my dermatoscope. It is, you guys are better than I am. Um, I always look on patients that I think they have scabies. Really technically to diagnose um, scabies with your dermatoscope, you're supposed, supposed to apply India ink to the skin and then use your dermatoscope to help you better know where to scrape because you can see some of the mites occasionally or you can actually, on this slide, this is kind of a really cool one. This is the 20 times magnification, you're old school, but it's got the 20 times. There's your furrow, you've got the little poops tracking along and there's your mite, so you would definitely, I mean, I don't know that you'd have to scrape if you saw that, but at least you would know where to scrape. There's also a whole other article on the delta wing sign of a furrow under the dermatoscope. I'm just not quite as skilled finding scabies with a dermatoscope. Okay, here's your last challenge, and then you're done. You get to go have a glass of wine next door. So I'll give you a second with your basics. And this is the same one I used last year, so don't give it away. There's your clinical. That medallion makes me think he probably has some leisure suits in his closet. So is it melanocytic, is it not? If all I had was that image, I would say yes. However, if you told me that he had just eaten chocolate ice cream and dripped it on his chest, so don't take yourself too seriously, and history is always still important, but that's chocolate ice cream. And that's it. Thank you, guys. So if anybody has any more questions, I'm happy to answer them. I know 3Gen is next door. I am not affiliated with them in any way. Um, but I've had several dermatoscopes, and those to me are the easiest to use. They are polarized light. You don't have to use oil. So they're here, and I talked to him before. He said they are doing residency pricing. And so out of all the ones I've used, those are some of my favorite. And at least you can go over there and kind of play with them and see what I'm talking about if you want to think about starting to use this. And I'll be in the other room for a few minutes, too. Feel free to track me down if there's other questions as well. Okay. Thank you, guys.